Welcome back to Crime Capsule. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. I have a question for you. What is your favorite part of a crime narrative? The setting of the scene, the introduction to the characters, the race to catch the culprit, or even for some of you weirdos out there, the depiction of the act. For me, it's the twist. Not the twist of the knife, but the development you couldn't see coming. The moment on the stand when the witness, like the widow Susan Sharpless up in Pennsylvania, refuses to name the accused as the man who killed her husband. Or the day that the investigators, like Lieutenant Rita Schuler in South Carolina, realize there's something they've overlooked. A stray palm print that one day will bring justice to the slain. I love a good twist. Stories feel incomplete without them. Crime narratives, particularly. Which is why, on today's episode, we wanted to do something different. Instead of introducing you to our next guest, who will be appearing next week, we wanted to share the news of our own twist, which we never, not for a million years, saw coming. The news that Crime Capsule has received a 2022 Muse Award for the podcast category. And not just a Muse Award, but its highest tier, the platinum level. Friends, I am quite honestly dead on the floor, and spoiler alert, I died of shock. We just learned this a week or so ago. It is a huge honor, and all of us at Crime Capsule are incredibly grateful. It takes a village to make a show like this, and it absolutely could not happen without the many wizards of Oz behind the curtain. A curtain I have to pull back for one brief moment as we celebrate the news. The first wizards are our executive producers at Evergreen, Michael D'Aloya and Gerardo Orlando, who have believed in our vision from the very start, and while running a stable of more shows than I can count, still always find time to brainstorm, encourage, and support us. Thanks, guys. Second is Bridget Coyne, our production director, puppet mistress of countless strings, keeping us on track and ensuring that Crime Capsule is plugged into as many networks of listeners and purveyors as possible. Thanks, Bridget. Third is Ian Douglas, our audio engineer, who takes our crackly static and makes it smooth as silk and forgives all of my occasional ums and ahs and hmms. Ian, your boss. Last is a man whose name you hear every week. A man whom I'm proud to call not just a colleague, but a friend. Our show producer, Bill Huffman, without whom none of this would happen at all. If you don't know Bill, he's the host of his own show on Evergreen, a show called Who Killed? And he's forgotten more about true crime cases than I will ever learn. In the second twist of the day, Who Killed? also received a Muse Award in the podcasting category. And in the third twist, all good things come in threes, don't they? I wanted to invite Bill on to Crime Capsule 
to say hi to everyone and to tell us about his show, and generally just to loiter near my corpse while the coroner does his work. Bill, even though you're already here every single week, welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me, Ben. I will say that it is uh, nice to be on the uh, other side of the table. Congratulations to you, good sir. And congratulations to you. It's surreal, isn't it? You know, it really hasn't sunk in. And, and even though it's, it's you know, a week or so old, I, I still sort of don't believe it. How about you? I continue to forget yeah. <laughs> about it. Uh, somebody brought it up today and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I did get that award. But to be honest with you, it is uh, a long, it is very nice to receive an award for doing uh, this kind of work. I've put years of work behind my show and I've been producing for Evergreen for, you know, almost a year now and uh, definitely believe that it's a great company and I feel like it's, you know, an award like this is is always nice to be given because it's just shows that you're reaching an audience and uh, maybe making a difference. And that's really kind of the tagline of who killed, you know, I always say it's a show that provides a voice for the voiceless. And so I'll do a lot of focusing on cases where there isn't resolution because those cases still need attention. And unfortunately, it's one of those things that when there isn't somebody to cheerlead for those people who may not have had the best of lives, that they deserve just as much as respect as you know the next person. And it doesn't matter what put them in that situation, but it's what you do with that situation after it happens. And, and when people aren't there to support other, you know, missing people, I try to give them a platform. If they have friends or family that want to come and talk, I definitely have done both of those. And I try to just to be a voice of uh, reason and not to be salacious. <laughs> There's enough of that going around for sure. Uh, tell us, how did you get your start doing this? Well, uh, I'm going to make a long story short. I decided I I was a former television producer, and I decided that I would rather be in charge of my own destiny. And I had been listening to podcasts for a long time and reached out to a couple people that I had enjoyed, and they actually were very supportive, as most people of you realized in this podcasting world are. And they basically said, uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll help guide you on your way to the top if, if, <laughs> if, that's, what, if that's what we're going to go with. But uh, they're definitely at the top. And I would have to thank Nick and the captain from True Crime Garage for that because those are my two, two besties in the industry and definitely been the guiding lights in my career. So wow. uh, without them, I'm not sure I would be where I am. I have to say that, um, you know, for for those of our listeners out there who maybe have not yet encountered your show, you're being, you're being very modest because it is one of the single most downloaded shows on uh, all of Evergreen's platform, and you reach a lot of folks every week, and it really is very impressive. I had, I had a question for you, actually, about that, which is how over the course of the... I think you're at 170, 180 shows in, something like that. Is that right? Combined, yeah. Combined, yes. About a, about 184, 85, yeah. around there. Yeah. How how did you come to define or 
sort of carve out your place in the landscape? I mean, certainly focusing on missing people, disappeared people, unsolved cases has great um, import, right? Especially as new tools are kind of emerging to help maybe find some of those people. But when you were getting started, how did you decide this is what you wanted to focus on? Honestly, the one case that had always stood out to me was a case that occurred when I was 10 years old. She was a girl that lived in the city suburb next to ours. And she was abducted on a Friday afternoon on October 27th, 1989. Mm. And it was just one of those events that just stuck in my craw throughout my life. And uh, I'm friends with James Renner, who's written a book about the case. He's a he's a true crime author. You can check him out, jamesrenner.com. What's the victim? What's the victim's name, Bill? So this Amy Mahalovic. Amy Mahalovic was the was the 10-year-old girl, and she was lured to a plaza by some mysterious caller who said he worked with her mother, and she was said, you know, told that she could help him pick out a gift for her mother, and if there was any money left over, then she could buy a gift for herself. And then Next thing you know, she does not return home from school. And as investigators started asking questions, it turned out that that's what the case was. And it uh, still remains unsolved to this day. But her body was eventually found three months later after months of enduring missing posters and local news coverage. You know, this girl ends up being discovered in a field in the middle of nowhere, 53 miles south of where she was taken. Oh, wow. And so, wow. so the connection is, and the fact that the case remains unsolved is something that I just can't get over. I met her father, but her, I met the chief of police who spoke to her class on the day that she disappeared. Uh, you know, I talked to the people that reported on the case, and it just was one of those things that stuck with me. And it's something that always stuck with me. So when I was talking to my buddies from True Crime Garage, they said, do what you know. You know, it's just like whenever you write a book, write what you know. That's what I know. How did this affect that part of the state at the time? I mean, you were so close to it. Big time. I mean, it's still widely considered, if not the number one, then the number two or three case in Ohio that still remains unsolved. So it's, uh, needless to say, it was four days before Halloween that year we were supposed to trick-or-treat by ourselves. Of course, that did not happen. Surprisingly, they still had trick-or-treating. You know, it's like, it's weird that we're worried about that kind of stuff when you're 10 and that's what you're thinking about. And uh, it definitely changed the way our teachers taught us, definitely changed the way our parents raised us. And I would say that even with all that, training that you still can make mistakes. You know, it's just, I had something that happened to me where I ended up getting conned into talking to a, a reporter who claimed to be a reporter when I was a runner in high school. And I, and he ended up calling and making a not so great phone call to me a week later. So it's, even if you're aware of this stuff, you can still make mistakes. And that's what I try to always tell people when, you know, you can listen to as many true crime shows, watch as many datelines as you want. You still have to be self-aware and, yeah. aware of your surroundings and not trust everybody. You know, it's, I remember when we were doing our very first show together um, with Joshua Sushan that, you know, Crime Capsule's first interview launch show, 
the description of kind of the time and place that sort of 1980s kids were still going around on bikes, everybody knew everybody, your neighborhoods were so close knit. Uh, the way that information traveled was by word of mouth, was by knocking on doors, you know, was by landline, telephone. There sound like a lot of similarities between, you know, the the murder of Tina Fales and the abduction and the murder of, of Amy Mahalovic. Yeah, there is definitely a connection. And it, it's, it's really shocking how much we've advanced in technology. I think it was only a year later that they actually started recording the only reason they couldn't trace the phone calls because they didn't they only recorded out of town or you know long distance phone calls because that's what they made their money on. <laughs> so that's the only thing they monitored. And nowadays you could pull up anybody's phone records and see whomever they called, who called the home. It doesn't matter, but literally the technology if it happened if it happened today this case would never have gone unsolved. It would have been solved within a couple of days. And that was even according to the chief. What other kinds of cases do you cover on who killed? I saw that uh, recently you did some on Chambonet Ramsey, which is sort of a, a very old and high profile uh, case. Now, I could not believe how many years yeah, it had been. I try to not do too many high profile cases. But with that being said, there's a time and a place. And... That was right around Christmas time. It was the 25th anniversary. I hate to call them anniversaries because they're morbid, but it understood marked 25 years. Uh, I've done a couple this year on Gacy and Dahmer. So, like, I, you know, I've done some on, that, on those. I did one on, um, yeah, I do, I do a lot of different. How I pick my cases is kind of interesting. People will reach out to me if they have a missing family member or friend sometimes, and that is great because I encourage that. You know, reach out. I'm more than happy to have you come out and tell your story. I mean, that's the whole point of having a platform is to be able to give people who need it the, yeah. the voice. Absolutely. We focus here, of course, on uh, authors who have recently written books or written books about historic cases, right? But to be able to speak to folks who were uh, directly affected or part of the investigation, sometimes at Crime Capsule we have an overlap, like with Rita Schuler, an investigator who then wrote a book. But sometimes it's folks looking at it from a different angle. You have often uh, guests who have such personal knowledge of the cases they're talking about. Yeah, I try to get deep as far as, you know, not like, like I'll talk to the siblings of a case, the Delphi murders is a good example that is still remains unsolved. Uh, I've had Kelsey on a number of times, and Kelsey is Kelsey German of the Libby German, who was killed along with her friend Abigail Williams in Delphi, and that's going on a number of years now. And you know, we thought there was going to be some movement on that case when they had a press conference a few months back, but again, nothing's really come from that. But hopefully, it does. And again, that's the thing. It's like, it's good to talk to the people that are close to the situation because then they can give you the real deal story because everything kind of goes through the media cycle and you just end up, you don't even do it on purpose, but you end up recycling the same lines and the same motives and all that other stuff that is so easy to just, you have to be, because every murder, every murder, every victim has their own story. Um, and so you got to try to make that case stand out beyond what you see every day on 
Oxygen Network or on podcasts or whatever. Make it interesting. Do stories that are interesting to people, but then also come back to do the stories that people don't even know about. Because that's the stuff that you go, oh, crap, I never even heard about that before. I mean, everybody's heard about John Benny Ramsey, but I had the captain on from True Crime Garage to talk about it. So it was like a little different take, uh, a little bit more loose. You know, it's not, it doesn't always have to be like we're trying to solve something. You know, it's more of just an overview and a discussion sometimes. And sometimes just kind of clearing the air or shaking out the laundry a little bit can produce some insights that you wouldn't normally have. I'm reminded very clearly of when we spoke to Joshua Sushan, and he described after 20 to 25 years following Tina Fales's murder, you know, the emergence of the kind of internet message board, the Facebook kind of commenting uh, technology, which was very new in the early 2000s, right? That proved a venue for people who knew Steve Carlson, the killer, and knew Tina and knew the case to feel more comfortable to speak out after decades and decades or for them to find other people who might have different recollections of what had gone on between the students at Foothills High, right? There's kind of interesting time lag there which enabled just talking about it to bring some new investigative angles to the fore, which had not been there, could not have been there, and um, definitely proved impactful, say, going forward in, uh, in that particular investigation. So for you to be able to have those conversations over and over again, um, you never know what might come out of that. You really never know. You never do, and that's kind of why you do it do these shows. I mean, it's not something that you set out to, you know, you don't write a show and go, oh, hopefully we'll solve the case. You know, you hope that it brings attention to the case. Maybe somebody who knows something decides it's time to come forward. I mean, it sometimes just takes that little bit of a push. And if it's just, hey, they're scrolling through something and they see the name of somebody that they know that was killed and they may know something about it. Well, maybe that might trigger them to call crime stoppers or put in an anonymous tip and, you know, time changes. And so I try to cover a lot of cases that are older. And so in that regard, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people can have a change of heart over time. Right. Like or just feel boy, more boyfriend free. Or a friend. Right. Yeah, exactly. Free. Yeah. So, uh, last question I have for you is a is a two parter, Bill. Uh, the part one is who have you most recently had on your show? Tell us about your most recent episode and kind of what you're working on right now. And who part two? The question is is the flip side of that coin is what can listeners expect from your show from Who Killed coming up? Well, I most recently had Nick from True Crime Garage on as a guest to discuss John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown, Pogo, whatever you want to call him. Uh, That is an interesting case beyond uh, a doubt. And for somebody who stuffed 30 bodies under his home, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, that's uh, one of those uh, (laughs) cases that is very interesting. Going forward, I know that uh, I will be covering... Uh, some unsolved cases out West, as well as have some guests on. Uh, I'm hoping to get uh, 
some of the guys that I've talked to before, as well as some more family members. CrimeCon is at the end of this month in uh, Vegas. And that is also a place where you pick up a lot of connections and stories and you can meet people because people go to those events with the intention to with the intention to gain our attention. Right. And that is definitely something that has happened in previ- previous crime cons. And um, that's, that's kind of where the, all the movers and shakers in the business are. So it's, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great opportunity. Generally we do a little round table about crime con afterwards and sort of yeah. just kind of BS about it with the people that I was there with. And pretty much anybody from, uh, you know, the top 50 podcasts on iTunes are there. So it's it's a good time. It's a great way to get your name out there and get focused on different cases and meet different people, especially being out in Vegas this year. The last one was actually, the last one I was in was actually in New Orleans, where you're located. And so, yeah, sure. uh, so this will give me another opportunity to explore some cases that I hadn't heard of before, and I'm looking forward to it very much so. If we have some listeners who are planning to be out there or nearby, how can they find you on the floor? Do you have a booth number? Do you have kind I of do. a Well, location? I have a booth number, but I will, I will be in Podcast Row, which will be its own separate um, room, and it will have tables, basically booths, with uh, paraphernalia for your show and uh, representation and uh, it's 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 basically just like a meet and greet and it's uh, if you want to come by and say hi I will be there with uh, some other guys from Evergreen and I'm typically located right near the true crime garage guys because they know what they're doing when they plan these things <laughs> so they try to keep everybody that it's it they're pretty good about recognizing who's friends with whom and uh and therefore, we all kind of end up in the same little block, which is great because it's usually Tim and Lance from Crawl Space and Robin from Trail and Cold and uh, Crime Junkie, you know, all those people. No, it sounds great. I, I do. I do have to say that um, Podcast Row sounds like it's got to be just around the corner from Skid Row, right? And I'm kind of <laughs> expecting that like all of the hosts are going to be lined up with a mugshot profile, a jailhouse row kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's like I'm it's kinda... just waiting for that photograph to come out. <laughs> it's like, it's a little bit like the usual suspects. Yeah. Yes, yes, you do see the same faces. Uh, I would say that that's kind of a, a common theme, but it's great to get together with all the other people that are in the industry and, and to share stories and kind of talk about what you're working on and, what you have coming down the pipeline and that kind of stuff. Well, I certainly hope you have a wonderful time, especially on the news of this very exciting award. So congratulations. Congratulations to you as well. And uh, I guess... (laughs) Well, it wouldn't have happened without you. Well, I I guess we are a team. So uh, I'll take take two Muse Awards for the year and uh, one for my show. That's great. (laughs) That's nothing wrong with that. I think that'll work just fine. Yeah. I think that'll work just fine. And Who Killed comes out on Fridays. Every Friday. Every Friday. And Crime Capsule is every Thursday. There you go. Well, there you have it. The man behind the curtain, the most magical wizard of Oz there is, Bill Huffman. Folks, we are going to leave it there for now today and say thank you for all of your support thus far, which means so very much to us. There are any number of shows you could listen to with your precious time. 
And the gift of your time and your attention is the true award that we receive each week. Remember to check out all the shows that Evergreen offers on topics from art to history to politics to sports. And I'm pretty sure there's a show about a kitchen sink thrown in there somewhere. But until then, it's an honor and a privilege and a joy to bring you the best of true crime authorship from the writers at Arcadia Publishing and the History Press. And before I close, let me just offer a special shout out to the wizards over there, Kristen Thompson and Katie Perry, who work new forms of magic for us every single day. We couldn't do this without them, without Evergreen, or without you. So thank you. Crime Capsule will be back next week, as scheduled, with our next installment in the series on prominent women in true crime history, and we are going to have a doozy of a book. No spoilers here. For that, you'll just have to tune in. But how's that for one final twist? Thanks, guys. See you soon. Hi, this is Amy and Vanessa from She Goes by Jane, where we shine light on the stories of missing and unidentified women. On November 7th, we're sharing Nahida's story for the first time in a podcast. And this is a story that I thought I knew, but after reading police reports, became more complicated than I thought. When investigators are called to Nahida Khatib's house, everything looks fine. Her purse is on the kitchen table, her cup of coffee is on the counter, and her two-year-old niece is in her playpen. The only thing amiss? Nahida is missing. Every week, we feature a poem written in honor of the person we're talking about. This week, we're joined by one of our favorite actresses. You might know her from Sister Act or King of the Hill or The Descendants. But if you're like us, you'll know her from Hocus Pocus. She's the much-beloved Kathy Najimy. Join us November 7th to hear Nahida's story.